And we're back with episode 22 of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim Mason, and I'm alongside my partner in crime, the one, you, the, the only... Adam Messinger. You see, he saw me point at him, so he said his name. I mean, we're, we're developing this rhythm now, finally, that I think is... Uh, it's... Uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's synergy? A kind of synergy. A kind of corporate synergy. You know what is not feeling some corporate synergy right now? Marvel. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's sad. You know, look, there are Marvel books that I love. I I mean, we had a whole top five episode a couple of months ago on this. And honestly, my top five comics are still kind of holding strong right now. I I don't want to make it sound like I am not interested in the books that Marvel's putting out. I mean, Champions is one of my top five favorite comics being put out right now, period. You know, between Image and Dark Horse and DC. My eyes just got huge. I have a hard time believing that it's that good. I love that book. I'm not, I don't give a shit what other other people think. I'm sure it's good. I just can't imagine it being that good. I love teen superhero, superhero teen books. That's true. You got that. That Titan's addiction. Look, I, I have I have I have said it more than on one occasion. I love teen superhero teams. You know, I loved X Men back when they were kids. I loved Teen Titans before they dropped the teen. I loved you, the you second liked, version of uh, Teen X Men the Hidden Years. I dug X Men the Hidden Years quite a bit. You really? Know? Yeah, I dug X Men First Class. You know, you know, uh, X Men First Class is one of those I always wanted to sit down and read all oh, the way through. So worth it. So uh, I'm a huge Jeff Parker it. fan. So oh. I that was one of those. That's one of those things on my bucket list because so, I did it with Agents of Atlas and completely worth it. His Agents of Atlas was so underappreciated. It was it, criminally look, comic fans. We get it wrong sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, there are I, books that are canceled that should have never been canceled. That should should have never even been threatened. And unfortunately, there are some books that the high concept is so high, could be like weed high, or it could be just altitude high, but that the the high concept is just too high for the times. And I think. They gave it the good old college try several times with, with oh my Agents gosh, of yeah. Atlas. And they even you, did the spinoffs and all that. That's right. And you can't blame Marvel Editorial at the time for not trying. They tried their hardest. It's just we fans suck. Well, and I say that in general, not anybody in particular. Absolutely. Just, I uh, Whenever I went through all of it, uh, I got to the end yeah. with the, the actual just Atlas book. Uh-huh. And that was the strongest... I felt like that was the strongest story out of all of them, and it's not—it's not too often where your team start ends stronger than where it started. Honestly, honestly, and it, it just became the this wonderful thing at the end that that transcended really modern superhero comics. I I I, I was just blown away. By who's the artist on the last part of Gabriel Agents? Hardman? That's who's right, fucking incredible. I love that guy. So. Oh, God damn Marvel. <laughs> yeah. So neither so, of those guys are around right now. Right? Yeah. You know, Jeff Parker's off doing whatever Jeff Parker's doing. Oh, right he's now. doing Future Quest. Oh, that's right. That's still and, going. And yeah. he's still doing Batman 66 stuff here and there. Yeah. I just, man, I, I miss his take on so many different characters. I, I just 
damn, I love Jeff Parker. I yeah. want to see more from him. Hopefully, he's got some indie stuff cooking. You know, I would love to see him dip his toes into into those waters again. But look, the reason why we got off on this tangent is the fact that Marvel's at it again. Well, I was going to say Marvel of today is not the Marvel of 2008 who We're, tried to give Jeff Parker every every break in the book. And and honestly, Marvel was such an experimental house of ideas, you know, under the Quesada administration and to be fair, under the early Alonzo era as EIC. I, I felt like there was shit always happening over at Marvel where DC was always playing catch up. And since the release of DC Rebirth number one by Jeff Johns and his artistic partners, it's changed. It's become a different landscape. That was a pivot. It, it was, it, it, honest to God, there was a fork in the road, and Marvel could have kept pace with DC by taking the other fork in the road instead of trying to, to play catch-up to DC. They could have gone their own way, and like they always have before. But instead of trusting their creators, I don't know what has happened we, we talked about this when we had that episode. I can't remember the episode number, but the title of, his, title of it was So About um, uh, Alonzo and Gabriel, or So okay. About Gabriel and, and Alonzo. Yeah. You know, when they had their epic <laughs> neurological misfire. Yeah, over they at, were munching on their feet. <laughs> over at their retail presentation. I think that if they, and this is being fair to, to Axel and to, to David Gabriel, if they could take back that whole day, they probably would. Yeah, I, I think that was not one of the high points in their careers and their lives. Yeah, I, I've been in business for, for decades now at this point, and there's been plenty of days which I, as a, as a businessman, I wish I could take back. I wish that I didn't open my mouth that certain way because I saw the look in my customer's eye. I went, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it went wrong, though, right away, and I was able to course correct myself. I didn't need much outside interference from my superiors to tell me to course correct. Um, Unfortunately, there is something in the water over at Marvel right now. And, and, And before we go any further... There are no secret squirrels that we have in the Marvel offices. We don't have any sourcing. We are a couple of fans that are speculating. This is pure speculation. Right. This is us shooting the shit. We don't know what we're talking about. We're just making the best educated guesses we can. And this is is coming from sources where, you know, Adam, I know that, that, you know, First of all, thanks to Bleeding Cool for posting our episode last week with our Idiot Fest coverage. I thought that was great of them. Um, well, it's, I, I, we got corrected. It was ID10T Fest. So, <laughs> that was because... Uh, so it wasn't a festival of idiots. It right, was right. ID10T. Yeah. Okay. And to as an addendum, the uh, we were wrong about the ticket prices. Um, they were not $200 for two days. Okay. It was $100 for the whole weekend. Oh. And that was general admission. The VIP stuff was the I, more expensive. And in, in all fairness to A12 Productions and, the, and their partners, we probably looked right at the VIP yeah. information went, <gasps> yeah. you know, <laughs> so, but you're right. If you just want general admission and to see, sit on the grass and all that, uh, it was going to be 100 bucks for the weekend, which 
by current Comic Con standards, ain't all that bad. No, not no. at all. So our especially apolo- for what you got. So our apologies to everybody at ID10T. There I said it. ID10T. ID10T. There now it is hardwired in my brain. And thank <laughs> you to Bleeding Cool and Rich. That was you didn't have to do that, Rich. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we both appreciate it. And uh, and if you are new listening to our show, I think now is as good a time as any to tell you that. Not only do we just speculate based on the information that we read on Bleeding Cool or Heidi McDonald's awesome uh, blog, The Comics Beat, which is the, I, I would say, the equal in, in independent comics journalism, if not, in my opinion, a little bit better even than Bleeding Cool. Like, they're, they keep going back and forth for me. I need to hit that up because it used to be CBR for me, and that yeah. place has just become listicles, and it's a shell of its former self. I mean, when Jonah Wyland was over at CBR, that guy was breaking scoops, and he was able to, to break news stories that were sometimes beneficial to the relationship that he had concocted with with the big two and with several of the second-tier publishers. And then sometimes he'd run stories that were quite detrimental based on what the fa- where the facts led him and his reporters. That is not the kind of shop they're running over at CBR nope. right now. But I, if you haven't had a chance to check out Heidi McDonald's The Beat, I cannot recommend this enough. So the stuff that we're going to talk about today, I'm informed by those two sources. Adam, you're informed by Bleeding Cool primarily. Primarily. I'll hit up, as I said, I'll hit up CBR every now and then. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, as I said, I just haven't been able to find a uh, comics buzz is pretty good. That's whenever they have whenever they have stuff on there, I, I I go to comics buzz as much as I can. Right, and we're not trying to diss it. Look, and and just one last <laughs> asterisk on this one: if you work for Newsarama, if you work for CBR, if you work for ComicBook.com or ComicBookMovie.com, go work for those sites. Get those get those page counts in. Go get those bylines. We understand. Okay, it's just. I don't read People Magazine when I'm in line at the supermarket shelves. You know, I might pick up Entertainment Weekly, but I'm not going to read certain magazines. And that's all it is. It's just not my flavor anymore. I'm not, I'm not a list guy. I'm, not a, uh, I, I'm just not into that sort of, sort of thing, you know, of what the cool thing is that I should read. I want to read about what's going on behind the scenes in the industry, which employs so many artists and create other creatives. Yeah, I want to be able to support those people that have provided that entertainment. Right, and that's why Adam and I, you know, we were we're sitting here recording this on July the fourth. Um, if you hear fireworks in the background and all kinds of crazy shit, that's why. Or it's Stockton, and please call nine one one. We're not sure. They're not going to hear this live. <laughs> oh, they're going to call nine one one at like a Thursday so, afternoon. So you're saying this could be our last recorded episode? Yeah, hopefully it makes it. God there. damn it! <laughs> I better upload this shit quick. Um, no, we're going to be just fine. We're in the good part of town, and your cat will protect us. God damn, she's twenty pounds. I think she can take on most sumo wrestlers. Yeah, as far as a cat goes. But look, so let's let's dig into this. So Marvel had a presser press conference, um, a conference call where they talked about Marvel legacy. Adam is kind of like, he's kind of like shaking his head a little bit and he's twitchy and I'm shaking my head and I'm starting to get a little twitchy. I'm waiting to see where you're going to go with this I, so I can jump in, but well, I'm no, just... no, 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 because I want you to jump oh in because God. how about Adam, you talk to our people listening to us 
um, about basically what legacy is supposed to be. From what I gather, legacy is bringing back the older characters as far as, um, while right now they're introducing a new generation, they're trying to bring back the old generation as well and have them co-mingle. Uh, for example, you got Captain Marvel, Carol, Carol Danvers, and then you've got Marvel, who has been dead since the seventies, uh, early eighties, early eighties. Yep. Yeah, so he's coming back, and they've not explained how this is going to happen. Right. My crazy theory is Cosmic Cube, probably because at the end of Secret Empire, you're going to have you're going to have to have some Cosmic Cube shenanigans in order to uh, repair things. That's true. You know, I mean. Or something on the order of a cosmic cube, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, the in-betweener or an army of watchers finally deciding to do something or somebody, you know, one of the cosmic entities of the Marvel Universe say, wait a minute, okay, time out, flag on the play, <laughs> we're going to fix this shit. Yeah, and I think what they're going to do, personally, is pull a X-Men, a Brian Bendis X-Men on the entire fucking Marvel universe. Really? That's my that's my guess. That's what I think's going to happen. I mean, that's that's not so much the red reset button, but it's more like the yellow reset button, you know, if if Well, they've never been ones to do a red reset button even after Secret Wars, you know, which provided them the perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah, they chose a lot of books stayed the course. Yeah. Um which I think was also part of their problem. Right. Um, they right. probably could have used a reset button to some degree, and a lot of the new titles they launched out of there failed. Right. As far as I don't think it, any of them made it 18 issues except for stuff that had been going and started before that time. Right, stuff that was starting brand new, you know, like the new Daredevil series by Charles Soule. And, yeah, and, you know, but uh, like Squadron Supreme, Scott, Night, Nightbrand and, uh, was it, it was, uh, Starbrand uh, and Nightmask? Starbrand and Nightmask. There was the Solo Hyperion series. Uh, oh, yeah, that was, a, that was a blip. That was, I mean, it was like in and out. Um, I was a big fan of the Nighthawk series because yep. Stockton native Ramon Villalobos was the artist on that one, and I thought that book was fantastic. You want to talk about a book that was, you know, hip, if not neck deep in the muck of race relations in the United States at the time. I think I read three issues. I gave it the three-issue yeah. thing, and it, I didn't really find it for me. I, it, and it didn't have anything to do with his art. No, his art is fantastic. But it, it just... Um, I didn't feel like Nighthawk was a well-defined character. He just seemed very two-dimensional and angry to me. Yeah, I don't think they had enough time to really explore, to, to add that. Like, they got the first two dimensions in. They, they didn't get that third dimension in. I, I can totally agree with you. I stayed with it because it was a different take on Batman. It would have been easier to just say, he's a rich guy during the day and at night. He fights crime. You know, yeah. they could have done something very typical with that. But everything he wore was a mask upon a mask upon a mask. And it was all about the war on crime. And he didn't give a shit how he was how he was perceived. He was there to make a difference, which was sort of the the raison d'etre of Squadron Supreme by James Robinson and his pals. But it didn't hit that mark that I felt like Nighthawk had hit. Okay. You know, Nighthawk was definitely swung for the fences, let's say. That I can definitely it, see. That he, um, he was trying his best, and he pulled no punches. There was, I mean, it was a brutal, 
graphic and as timely a book, I think, as Marvel's to <laughs> get it timely. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but it was as timely a book as I've read out of, out of Marvel in the longest time. That being said, so we come back to the, to the press conference where they talk about Marvel coming back. They talk about Aryan Blonde Thor being paired up with, with Jane Foster as Thor. Uh, you know, they talk about Miz. well. They're going to do Miles and Peter, they're and that one Ma- didn't make much sense to me because that's been that's status quo right, right. now. And then they're going to do Kamala Khan as Ms. Marvel and Carol Danvers as Ms. Marvel, even though Carol Danvers is Captain Marvel pairing up with Captain Marvel. Do you see where I'm going? Yeah, with this? this is. And the thing is, there's different creative teams on each book. Right. And I like that because I feel like I'm getting an extra issue of what I would normally read. Right. And I'm not going to read half of that stuff. Right. But if they tell me there's an overarching story, I'm going to skip out on all of it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that scares me. Okay. DC Comics Rebirth number one was an 80-page giant, no ads. I mean, there... I never thought of... Yeah, you're right. It had no ads. It had no ads. 80-page giant. You had guys like Phil Jimenez. You had... Uh, Ivan uh, Reese. Ivan Reyes. Reyes. Uh, you had uh, Gary Frank. And I'm always blank on the last... <laughs> and damn it. Uh, uh, Gary Frank. Gary Ivan. Frank, Ivan, uh, Phil, and... Shit. Now you got me. Okay, well, we're I'm gonna look, while Adam's that's gonna bug the I'm gonna talk out I'm of me. gonna make my point while Adam okay. is gonna research this on Comic Book DB. So what is Marvel putting out in advance of all these legacy number one specials? Well, first of all, I trust the creative team. The creative team is Jason Aaron and Isad Ribich. If I if I'm pronouncing his his name co- uh, completely wrong, please write into Graphic Content on Twitter at Graphic Podcast and please let me know. But there is going to be a 50 page no ad special, at least no ads that I'm aware of, uh, that is going to be coming out uh, when sometime in the fall of 2017. They're promising. So I like the art of Assad Ribic Ribic. Uh, I like the writing of Jason Aaron. I do not trust the editorial of this book. I don't trust it because to me, it is Marvel chasing DC down the same rabbit hole. I can't see. DC has already lapped them three times at this you point. You know what? I think about it now. I, I hate to, to shit on this, but you're... Out of all the books that did come out of Secret War, the one is there. There is one still going yep. that didn't happen before, and that's Doctor Strange. Oh, you well, said okay, you said you, Jason Aaron, and that's and what clicked. No, there. thank you for bringing that up to me. That's a book that I'm still reading right now. I'm a few issues behind, but I love Jason Aaron's take on the whole broken magic thing and his imperial story or um, um, empirical storyline. That was fucking incredible. Was like. Holy shit, this is a super science Superman from another dimension that is just destroying magic, you know, parallel Earth by parallel Earth. This is phenomenal. I love that stuff. But again, you know, what is the difference, but, you know, except for 30 pages of, of story, 30 pages of content between legacy number one and rebirth number one? I'll tell you what it is it's balls. They don't have the balls that DC had. Even they had Ben to, Skyver. Ethan Van Skyver. God 
damn, how could I forget him? Yeah, especially with that opening page splash right? of fucking... Of Wally, Wally West left. emerging from the Speed Force with all the Ethan yeah. Van Skyver lightning. I remember almost shooting my pants opening up and reading that. Uh, I, I, my, I got harples. I mean, seriously... <laughs> It was it was like I was thrown out of the Antarctic research station, and that was the first reaction. Um, it was it it was I had chills. The hair on my arms stood up. It was like lightning was striking in reality. Like that level that Grant Morrison aspires to writing in comics was actually taking place from the mind of Jeff Johns, right? Yes. And. That Which, <laughs> there's three hours of us ranting about that on YouTube and yep. how great that is. So go if you want to go there, go for it. Great pitch for the graphic content YouTube channel. We have plans for that down into the future. Um, so look forward to announcement in the next several weeks about that. Um, but when it comes to legacy number one being 50 pages and rebirth number one being 80 pages, what is the, the consumer, and I'm pointing to myself here, think? It's like rebirth but only 60% of it. You know, it just the doesn't... The thing is, I don't think there's people... I think we're a minority, and I don't think a lot of people out there are going to look at it and, and view it that way. Maybe they'll look at it as, wow, I get my Jack Kirby Thor back. Maybe I'm going to get my Jim Starlin Captain Marvel back. Or, or maybe Steve Rogers is going to be... Because there's been all kinds of buzz back and forth about who is going to take over Steve Rogers' Captain America... Because I think they've pretty much intimated at this point there's going to be one Captain America book going forward. That would be nice. Now, Honestly, I, I, think that, I think that they should stick with Sam Wilson. I think they should stick with the characters that they're developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they should pull an Emma Frost on this shit and keep him where they made Emma Frost a hero and a main part of the X-Men after Morrison's X-Men for what felt like a decade. Uh-huh. Give give these characters time to cement. Make sure there's I want to see multiple runs of of this on I, these characters. I I agree with you if they could keep both Captain America books. But for me, and this is maybe I'm just being an old grok nerd here or something like that, and I'm not trying to play Mr. Corporate Synergy here, which is what we opened up our discussion with however many minutes ago now at this point. Um Steve Rogers, at least in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point, is Steve Rogers. Captain America is Steve Rogers. I understand and, why it, he's necessary. And he's just been my one of my favorite characters for years and years and years. So I'm not trying to say totally throw, you know, Captain America, Sam Wilson out with the bathwater. By no means am I saying that because I love that iteration of the character. I just don't like the iterations of the comics that he's been in. Exactly. That's, that's exactly where I'm at. I loved him when he debuted as Cap. I thought that storyline was fantastic. I thought Rick Remender setting it up that, you know, Steve Rogers uh, lost the super soldier serum and became all old and frail. But did you real did, did you have the same feeling I did that, you know, that Steve Rogers didn't really get all that old and frail uh, <laughs> the longer that various comics like Uncanny Avengers and whatnot were taking yeah, place. He, yeah, he was still doing his thing. He was like Nick Fury more than he was Very an, much so. an 85-year-old uh, yeah. World War II veteran. So. Yeah, very much so. And he... He operated like he did in Secret Avengers, just yes. without the uh, the original the Ed Brubaker Secret in, Avengers in without the same the outfit. Yeah, without the physical, without the physicality. Yes, absolutely. So, 
yeah, I love Jack Kirby Thor, but you know, you know, and I love Jim Starlin Marvel, and you know, I love, I mean, who's a, I loved the Carol Danvers Ms. Marvel stuff, you know, I loved Spider Man when I was a kid. You know, I would love to go back to all of those things as an adult and have them in a nice, tasty looking package, almost like a bento box. Like I got a little Captain America over <laughs> here. I've got some yeah. Fantastic Four over there. I'm going to present this sushi to you like I'm Stanley Excelsior. You know, I, 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 but here's the thing about time is that we are not able to experience time as Dr. Manhattan and Watchmen. We are not able to experience time as it's happening all at once. We can only experience time in a, in a linear fashion. So as much as I would have loved to have lived during the days of the Jack Kirby madness that was Thor, I, I can't. Nope. Would I love to tell my eight-year-old self to travel back in time to say, hey, you know these Jim Starlin, Captain Marvel comics that you're getting, which his trusty sidekick was Drax the Destroyer, who had a cape and could fly and shoot energy blasts. I thought his sidekick was uh, Rick Jones for a while, but then okay. but then he he that was his Earthbound stuff. But then when he went went into deep space, it was Drax the Destroyer. That makes sense. And he had like a purple skull cap, and he had a purple cape, and yeah, he, he looked he would, completely different com- than the Drax we know today. Yeah, and as much as I would love to to go back and enjoy that and Adam Warlock, I can't, you know, because that was back in the seventies. You know, as much as I would love to to go back and enjoy Burn Claremont X Men, I can't go back in time from whenever they those two started. Was it seventy seven or seventy eight? Something like all that. the way through the early eighties, through the finale of the Dark Phoenix saga. I would love to do that. Oh wait a minute, I can do that because most of that stuff Marvel has collected, and it's on the digital unlimited. Right. So, so. if I want to go back in time. All that stuff is available to me. So why are we spending... And and look, again, I'm putting my hands up saying I don't know shit about shit when it comes to what's going on for real in the Marvel editorial offices in New York City. But I'll be goddamned if it's going to be... We're going to... I feel like... I'm gonna I'm gonna back up here. I feel like this is a trial balloon to see which of the white male characters we can bring in, and which are the brown and black characters, and 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 Asian characters and Latino characters, which can actually stick. Or should we do pull a Miles Morales Spider-Man and just double our fucking title count at this point, or maybe leapfrog issues, legacy, non-legacy, legacy, non-legacy? It, wow. it just you just I, made my blood boil. I mean. This is what I'm thinking when I'm looking at this cover. You know, it doesn't make sense. You know, look, they made the decision. They made a decision last year to kill Bruce Banner. Okay? I don't like the decision. I hate the decision. I'm in the same boat. That was a fucking it was a stupid, <laughs> stupid decision. But you know what? I love the fact that it was Hawkeye that killed him. You know? I, I, I I'm just, not on the, board with I'm any not, of I'm that. Not, I'm not on board with it. Don't get me. I'm, maybe you're misunderstanding. I, I I like the fact that Hawkeye is the the Avenger least likely to kill the Hulk. Okay, for that I admire the balls of the story. But you know what? I don't admire. I don't admire the editorial decision saying, "Look, 
we're going to wipe out Bruce Banner and we're going to automatically, without much in the way of exclamation, explanation, excuse me, create Amadeus Cho or, or shoehorn him into the Hulk role. The thing is, they had that prelude um, in Totally Awesome Hulk. Yeah. And they explained how Bruce Banner was cured. Yeah. And I loved that story. That story was so great. And so the, why couldn't he just be cured after 50 years? And we all know it's going to change because he's been cured before. So fucking calm your nerve, calm right. your nerves. Yeah, and and let it let the story play out instead of just taking him off the playing field. Right. You know, maybe the real legacy would have been Bruce Banner being able to buy a house and sit on the porch on a Sunday morning and read the newspaper. <laughs> you yeah. know how terrible would have been would have that been for a character. That's the thing that I don't understand about what's going on in Marvel right now. It's like everything has to have a certain element of shock value to bring people into into that character's orbit. And I just And if number 1 doesn't sell the way they want it to, it's already canceled. It's already yeah. So, you your know, number 1 flopping is a death right. sen- is it well, your number 1 not selling as much as they would like it to is a death sentence to the book, which is fucking bullshit. It is. Because I get that as a company you have your your bean counters, but go in, give the book 12 issues, sign on for for a, a specific number of issues. Uh, I think a perfect example of that is Dennis Hopeless's Spider-Woman. Oh, him yeah. And, and uh, Veronica Fish yep. and Javier Rodriguez. They had a story to tell from issue, I think it was issue four of the, the Spider-Woman series, all the way through uh, Secret Wars, uh, and then another 18 issues, and they had a set beginning and end point. Yeah. You let the, car- the creators tell those stories, and then if they're good, you're going to build readership. Right. One of the Okay, so there's been a lot of back and forth in the rumor mill that the if they go down to one Captain America or whoever gets to rehabilitate Steve Rogers after this mess that is Secret Empire, um, it looks like it was originally going to be Ta-Nehisi Coates or Ta-Nehisi Coates. I don't please, know how to pronounce Please that. forgive me if I mispronounced your name. I know you listen to the podcast. Just so. as everyone does. <laughs> I had to get that in somewhere. Um, But they're also talking about doing um, sort of a return to the origin of Captain America being done by Mark Wade and Chris Samney, which to me sounds... I want that. I I, I fucking want that book. I can't. I just... Chris, you know, Wade and Samney doing the secret origin of Jane Foster when she was a nurse in the 1960s, I would read the shit out of that I book. I thought you said uh, they were going to do Captain America. They were. But I'm, I'm, being, I'm being hyperbolic here. Oh, at this okay. Point. Just you anything know, that they I, do. I would read a Night Nurse series from them. I would read, I would yeah. read fucking Captain Ultra from those two. You know? You've just went over my head. I have no clue who that is. You just look it up later, Junior. Okay. You know, the point that I'm trying to make here is this, is that Wade and Samney are these guys. Talk about synergy. These are two guys that are doing the best work for Marvel right now. You know, in my honest opinion, just saying their Black Widow 12 issue series to me was about as close to perfect comics that a big two publisher could do. Absolutely. I I can understand that. I I mean, I'm a big fan, of course, of Jason Aaron. And I feel like pretty much he, he can do no wrong. Uh, I, I love Robbie Thompson. I mm-hmm. feel like he's yep. a very underutilized creator. Yep. 
Um, him, and then I love Nate Stockman, who's an artist over there. He did Spidey. He's done some issues oh, of uh, okay. Doctor Strange and Sorcerer Supreme. Yep. Uh, you know, I love his stuff. I'd love to see them give him a, a crack at a book that is uh, top tier. That would be great. And and I feel like they need to commit on this whole new generation because, of course, you're you're in a transition period right now. Transitions are rough. Transitions are hard. Yep. But if you're going to commit to doing that, it's a long-term commitment. That's right. And you've already pulled the trigger. And look, I, I you know, I... I God, I hate... Okay, I'm going to use a different metaphor here. So Elvis Costello is one of my favorite musicians of all time. And he's got this song about what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding. What's so funny about hitting the big red reboot button is the song that I want to write to that music right now. Um, Marvel Comics, as we know them, has been going since 1961 with Fantastic Four number one. And you can even make the argument going even years before that with the timely comics like the Captain America, Submariner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a long time. And DC discovered this, is that I think it's a lot like a computer that you leave running nonstop, that it just is going to build a cache of errors after a time, of stories that conflict with itself. This is, this is the comics company that invented the idea of a shared universal continuity. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here. Well, my, and the first thing that I jumped to is Gardner Fox and uh, was it Mike Sikowski? Yeah. No, uh, it wasn't Mike Sikowski. It was uh, fucking, God damn it, the guy that did Flash for... Carmine Infantino. Yes. yes. Those two doing Flashy Two Worlds, establishing... Yeah. Establishing that, parallel Earths. No, I thought that was the first one that established like a full-on continuity. Well, they, they establish a multiple universe continuity, but I'm talking about in-universe where, like, let's say a meteor lands in uh, just outside of New York City. That meteor streaking across the so- sky is going to be seen in Daredevil, is going to be seen in Spider-Man, is going to be seen in Thor. There was there was instances like this, and then it would then it would become a Fantastic Four story. So like Peter Parker would be swinging through the the city, seeing the meteor. Oh wow, that's a giant meteor flying through the sky. Better snap a few pictures for JJ so I can eat tonight, you know. <laughs> and and then it would there would be like a little you know for more information about the the meteor strike, see Fantastic Four number four ninety nine. And they were you know. notorious for uh, also doing the on TV. You know, you'd hear about whatever the Avengers are doing. Yep. Uh, you know, on the news. Exactly. And even though they'd be like, "Oh wow, holy crap!" That's why the Avengers aren't helping with whatever catastrophes going on. Because they're actually saving the world from something else right now. Yep. You know, in in, and I guess the the very long winded thing that I'm trying to say is is DC has not just rebooted their universe once. They have not just rebooted their universe twice. I mean, four times, five times. Okay, I'm, so it, Crisis, it, then they rebooted Time with Zero Hour. Oh, geez, then, I forgot about then Zero they, Hour. Then they did the soft reboot with, with Infinite, Infinite Crisis, Crisis, which just refined things a little bit. And then they did Flashpoint, which led yeah. to the new 52. So, and then rebirth, and then rebirth. That rebirth was more was, of a soft reboot as well, uh, more enough, along the Infinite Crisis. So, if you were to take Infinite Crisis and and New Fifty Two, New or DC Comics Rebirth, let's call those half reboots. 
So that that's still four reboots it, that we've just named at this yeah, point. Yeah, they took the best of the new 52 and the best of the, you know... The, the previous continuity yes. to that and made something decent. Look, I'm not saying that's necessarily the direction that Marvel needs to go, but fuck, you know, what else is there? I mean, Jonathan Hickman walked them right up to the front door of Rebootsville, okay? He did. I'm sorry. I just can't believe that Jonathan Hickman would drop the mic with the last issue of Secret Wars and just have things go back to basically being the same shit again. Oh, wait a minute. There's Miles Morales swinging in the air. Yeah. I I just... I I mean, you got a handful of characters from the Ultimate Universe that, that made it over. Right. But that's about it. And I don't understand why that was... What they, was the whole point of Secret War? Well, they would have... The thing is, the fan base would have lost their shit had they rebooted. That's one thing. And, and they would have... I don't feel like they gave enough... They gave creators enough time to wrap up whatever long-term stories they I would were also say that, that they didn't give the, the fans enough credit yet either. You know, I, they haven't tried it. You see, the fact of the matter is, is that DC has tried it. They have done it. And I... And I it and, hurts for a bit, and, yeah. then they, and then they're able to, to, you know, a year, two years later, right. they're able to kick out. You wipe the slate clean. And I hope, and I just have a feeling, based on how I'm looking at the marketing for this book is looking at right now. I mean, these are the cover, this is the cover plan. This is uh, Ble- Bleeding Cool uh, published this yesterday. So this is July 3rd to this broadcast in how Marvel Comics is trying to push Marvel Legacy number one. Uh, so there are many variant and tiered covers, I'm quoting the article, uh, which was written by Rich Johnson. So there's going to be a one per 50 by Alex Ross, bla- uh, black and white Joe Quesada, which is one for 500, a black uh, Amy Reader, one in 25. That's cool to see. Scotty Young, John Tyler, Greg Land, fuck him, and, the, <laughs> and Mark Brooks wrap around 200% of orders for Secret Empire number six. See, here's the thing. You know how many variants they did for uh, Rebirth? Mm. Uh, one. One. And it was an order as many as you want. It was an alternate cover. You're right. And they still do that. And, and it works. And Marvel is still playing this fucking weird game of... Fist one, the retailer. You know, fist the retailer. Let's call it what it is. I mean, look, at least Amy Reader is going to get some play, which I didn't think she was getting before, you know, with a 1 in 25 variant. And I don't mind, honestly, like the 1 in 25s. Yeah. If you do 1 in 10, 1 in 25, all right. I, I think you've hit your max. But to have to triple your order to get a Scotty Young, John Tyler, Christopher, Greg Land, and Mark Brooks wraparound... You have to triple your orders for Secret Empire number six. Fuck you, Marvel. I'm sorry. That's, I, I just, this shit is what we saw crash companies in the 90s. And look, this is nothing new. They've been doing this for quite some time. And it's not like DC doesn't do variant covers. I know this. But fuck, at least DC has told us in advance what it was that they were attempting to do. They were given, they told us right up front before DC Rebirth number one came out, what is Jeff Johns' mission statement? He wants to bring back legacy to the DC universe. And we all kind of rolled our eyes because we didn't trust him at that point. Right. But and it, that one, those 80 pages 
just just within eighty pages, he gained so many people's trust back. But he, but they trusted us, the reader, with the mission statement without spoiling the story. And so far, all Marvel Legacy is, as far as I know, is some stunt which is going to return comics back to their original numberings as if they've been running straight through all this time because we've been complaining about how they're constantly rebooting with number ones, right? And they've been doing that until the wheels fell off. Right. So, fuck it. Let's give them issue 977 of Avengers or whatever the fuck. My point is, is that they're going, they're putting in their title the very thing that DC last year said was their mission statement for what was coming next in their universe. And so far... If that's all, not grasping for straws, I don't know what is. That's exactly my point. My point is, is that all they can back up the fact of, hey, you're going to get Thor Odinson, the original Jack Kirby Thor Odinson running around with Jane Foster Thor, and you're going to get Miles Morales and Peter Parker swinging together, and you're going to have Carol and Marvell flying together again. It's called I'm, Generations because that's the, the two people they want to buy it, the people from that older generation. Right. They and want my generation and your generation and probably the The generation before yours. Right to actually come in and, and buy these comics again. And my point is this. Fuck the gimmick. I don't give a shit about the gimmick. I stopped giving a shit about the gimmick with the foil hologram bullshit that they shipped in the 80s, or excuse me, the 90s. I'm sorry. You didn't like we... the Force Works pop-up cover? Oh, my God. <laughs> I never... <laughs> Oh, my God. I, I honestly thought we were going to get through this entire series of podcasts without ever mentioning the term force works before. <laughs> <laughs> but do you see where I'm going with this? I mean, it's just, it, it's like they're not, they need to give us something to chew on. They need to, they need to tease us a little bit instead of, look, this, this cover right here, this variant cover, which looks like, I can't. Oh, this is the Amy Reader cover with Medusa and She-Hulk. Looks like a bunch of A-Force. No. Uh, some A-Force people, Squirrel Girl, Spider-Woman. Um, you know, that's kind of a nice cover right there. And then there's this other cover, and I, I think that's Ribich's cover. Um, you know, the, the, the art is pretty, you know? I mean, I think Marvel at least heard the fans, in, you know, in our previous rant. Oh, about, yeah. You know, art consistency and all that. They need some art consistency, but fuck, they need to they need to give us something to chew on. They need to make me want this book instead of waiting for Bleeding Cool to spoil it for me that Wednesday morning when it releases. You know what I mean? I mean, all due respect to Rich, I mean, look, there's been plenty of books I've dodged a bullet on, and I dodged the Secret Empire bullet with the help of, of Bleeding Cool, which I know would drive... Marvel sales executives up a fucking wall if they ever listen to this podcast. I, I but you know what? Fuck Marvel for for not giving us anything to hang our hat on when it comes to looking forward to this event. That's that's my take on this. They I also feel like there's no real there's no real bridge from secret secret empire into this that they've really explained. Honestly, at this point, I would love to be wrong. I would love for them to pull a rebirth as far as quality wise. Right. And I would love for, for us, for this podcast, for us to look stupid in six months time. Boy, wouldn't it be great? I mean, honest to God, let's think it, let's, let's follow that train of thought here for just a second, Adam. 
wouldn't it be wonderful if we were the assholes in this? I, I, I would I would love that. I would I gladly would, be the asshole. I, I would love if to be, I knew that. I would lo- happen. I would love for Axel Alonso, Alonso and David Gabriel, who we both know, listen to the show. On the weekly. <laughs> on the weekly. Like, they sit there and just watch their iTunes feed, like, come up, graphic content. Come on. Yep. Fuck yeah, it's on. Come on, David, get in the office. Yep. We gotta listen to this. They put it on the big, the big stereo. Woohoo! Uh, and then they hear, and we're back. Oh, that bloviating windbag Mason. But what I mean, <laughs> but, but seriously, how awesome would it be if we got awesome Marvel comics again? And we got books that that engaged the imagination again and you know spoke to our inner child and didn't speak down to our inner child, which I always thought was was the cornerstone of Marvel comic storytelling growing up as a kid. Was talking down to the child? No, not talking oh, down okay. to us. I mean, look, yeah, because I, I said before it- in a previous podcast, I learned the word anthropomorphic from an issue of X-Men. Yeah, I would I feel like they're they're kind of treating the readers as dogs. And they have the comics or the dog treats, and then yep. they expect us to just walk up and be like, "Thanks, master," blah, 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 and, you know, and eat the dog treat, and then we leave, and we're like, "That dog treat was good." And then you know, yeah. a year later, they were like, "Hey, we got dog treats," and we're like, "Oh, dog treats," and it's like, "No, we don't fucking work like that. I, that is not us. Mm-mm. We are smart readers for the most part. I mean, you're gonna have some of your quote unquote Marvel zombies. Hey, good for them that they're getting exactly what they want. I think there's enough comics out there for everybody." But you know what? For every fucking, I don't know, Avengers book that I'm not buying right now, that's more Copperhead I could buy. Absolutely. You know, the I'll, the I'll ones just, win- that are benefiting from this are Image and DC. You know, that's, and, I mean, Dark Horse and all the other independent companies. Right, or that's me going back to trades. And, and if I cut four books, you know, like when I was in Reno and got the Black Beetle hardcover collection, I was like, wow, this is Marvel money. You know, this is monthly Marvel money, which is going to my new trade habit. This is me just rediscovering the wicked and the divine and deciding to make the the call to go all trade with wicked and the divine and catch the fuck up on that series. I used to be a big Marvel fanboy uh, 2002 till probably about 20... 12, 2013. Okay. Something like, I dropped out right as Marvel Now happened. Yeah. The the original Marvel Now. Okay. Uh, so I think that was post-AVX. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just post-AVX. So I, because I dropped... Because I, I, I know this because that's when Avengers by Jonathan Hickman came out. Yeah, and that's that's where I dropped out. Yeah. Uh, I still say you should read that book, though. I, it's on my bucket list. Okay. It's definitely on my bucket list. And I know there's a lot of great stuff mm-hmm. that, came, that came out during that time. Yeah. But I got tired of big event, big event, big event. And not just big event, big event, big event. Shitty big event. <laughs> big event, Sh- big event, big event, big yeah. event. Yeah. And it, it, it was you shitty event, shitty event. You could make a shitty song. Yeah. Yeah, and it would have encapsulated a lot of those events. I think the only one I read that I semi enjoyed was Nope. It was in Inhumans versus X Men, right? Oh my no, that that was after. And you can go fuck yourself for bringing that one up. God damn. That book. That book. I, that book had all the pieces to to succeed and just crumbled. I was in a in a comic shop in the Bay Area and uh, which shall go unnamed. And I already just didn't get a good 
good feeling, good vibe from the shop that I was in. It wasn't in San Francisco. It was in the surrounding area. And uh, I, <laughs> I stepped in and I, I pick up IVX and uh, wow, that book. Ooh, I just, you know, and granted it was on issue two or issue three. I love Jeff Lemire. Yeah. And, and oh, his, I, his extraordinary X-Men. We've talked X-Men. about how much we both love Jeff Lemire, his, right? Yeah, his extraordinary X-Men yep. I felt was a rare miss. Yep. It was yep. it was not very it was not very good and even not very extraordinary not at all and when I first got into the book because I started it as it came out I was reading it and I was like all right it has Humberto Ramos which has in my book has a strike against it I'm not a Humberto Ramos fan and then maybe that's why I like Champions more than you do probably, that probably because I like Ramos and then. It had uh, Mr. Sinister, and if you want me to tune out of any story, <laughs> you put Mr. Sinister in it. And my, I'll go back and give you a fist bump for that My one. interest level has diminished greatly, and yeah. the only thing I had was like, well, Jeff Lemire's writing it, so it might be good, and no, it wasn't. Yeah. I got yeah. to that apocalypse story, and I jumped ship. Oh, fuck. Um, you know, and I, I, I feel like the other thing is to they don't have all the the toys in the sandbox when it comes to generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, while they're going to have Logan meets Laura Kenny, right. X-23, that's the only real X-Men we're getting out of this. Yeah. And, well, and the also X-Men that has books are in just... Sh- they're in worse shape than I think I've since ever seen re- them. Since they're in their relaunch, they're now... God, they've just been ghettoized. And I, I mean, it's been it's been each one has been like a shell of its former self, and now we're three shells removed. Right. And right. and it's just I feel like you have to have that in this legacy thing yeah. in order to, to have it be completely cohesive. Can I tell you the only book I'm looking forward to right now? It's Marvel Two and One. That is the only book that I, I I'm even looking forward to, and that's you're, just you're better than I am because I I'm not I'm not interested in shit until you give me creators. Yeah, I mean, now I, they have put out some some sequentials from it, so I don't know who the creators are, but it's from a it's a conversation between Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm. And first of all, when Ben Grimm came back, I had no idea. I don't. No, because I haven't been reading comics lately. He, I know in Infamous Iron Man, they basically allude to he's been working for S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. And he was with the Guardians for a bit. And then, oh, that's right. And then he, now I remember that. Then he okay. went to working for S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. So, but there's, there's a scene of Ben and Johnny sitting and discussing things in a diner. And one of them thinks that they saw Reed somewhere. But they're like, no, it can't be. That's a, uh, probably a reference to Infamous Iron Man again. Right, right. So it's the maker, probably. Or... Well, yeah, that's the main villain of the story right now. Right. So I, I'm kind of looking forward to it just out of nostalgia, because I use, I also love the team-up books. Because oh, okay. they, they were nonsense, but I just love the stories, you know. Although there was a run. I can't remember who wrote it, but they called it the Project Pegasus Saga, and it was first issue was like the thing and quasar and then it was thing and thundra then it was thing and aquarius was it kind of like the brave and the bold uh yeah. mark wade yeah. george perez so it would be he, a different hero every every issue yeah but it had like one overarching story right right there was an overarching story i want to say over five or six issues that were all drawn by a young george perez at the time 
and it was just dope. I loved it. I mean, they, it was nice, big sci-fi stuff with lots of unheard of or very little known characters like at the time, like Quasar and Thundra. And, uh, oh, God. So they utilized a lot of the C-tier so you, yeah, characters. Yeah, you know, Screaming Mimi and the, the Grapplers. You know, <laughs> I mean, just, which were all women wrestlers from the 70s. And, I mean, you know, that's the kind of shit that I'm looking forward to. If But then again, I also know that the House of Ideas are already two strikes down as far as I'm concerned. The, the other thing is, and they haven't announced any, they've, let me start over. Yeah. So what they've done is they put out a little, what looks like a postcard. Right. And they've got titles. And they've got issue numbers. They even have, I think, one, one, one sentence synopsis. And, and there have been Redditors that have gone over it with a fine-tooth comb, clearing the pixels up to see if they can get the creator names off those covers. Not included. And on So Bleeding Marvel knew cool, what the fuck they were doing when they put that postcard out. And Bleeding Cool said that a lot of the creators didn't even know that was coming. And when your right hand is having a seizure while the left hand is trying to build something, yeah. you're, I mean, you're fucked. Yeah. You're completely fucked. And hey. you've lost that complete sense of synergy. Somebody has dropped the ball. I don't know who to blame in that, but that is such a colossal fuck up. If, if it People is... People should be fired Right, for that. I mean, if it is as you're intoning it, and we, like I said, we both hope to be wrong in six months. But look, if you are going out with a brand new sales initiative or a brand new publishing initiative, and you haven't even given, you have yet to give your creatives working for you a, a date to which to wrap up their runs on these books, I think that's kind of douchey. Absolutely. And you know what? As, as Rich put in, the, in his article... I mean, right here at the top of it, we said it at the top of this podcast. Again, this is the article posted on Bleeding Cool that, that, that was titled, DC Comics Looking to Scoop Talent for 2018 in Wake of Marvel Legacy Misfire. And this, this is the way to do it, by pissing off your creator base. You're looking more at a New 52 relaunch than you are a yeah. fucking Rebirth relaunch. Because New 52 was plagued with this kind of shit. That's right. And, I mean, it sounded like people just having shit fits left and right for the first two years of that. Yeah. And, 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 we, and we have There yet. was a point where I boycotted DC because they were just fucking creators as hard as they could. Right. And, and whipping around their editorial dicks to slap people in the face. Well, you know, and I, I stopped reading the books where they were dicking over their creators. It just, it, you know, there were books that I stayed on because I felt like those books were quality, you know, for whatever reason, sort of like the Scott Snyder Batman, you know, and stuff like that. You know, I, I stayed with those books, but I didn't stay, I didn't boycott DC in general. I'm just not a boycotty kind of guy. After hearing about, I, th I think the, the straw that broke the needle's back... <laughs> As I fuck up a metaphor completely, the straw that broke the needle's Man, that back. that fucking needle must be strong <laughs> as shit, dude. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Well, we're definitely going to sound like assholes in six months for that one. <laughs> no matter what, yeah. we're assholes. <laughs> yeah. No, the straw that broke the camel's back was, uh, for me, was the J.H. Williams Hayden Blackman oh, thing. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, where no, I just fair. went, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore in good conscience. 
and I went down to I think to it's sort of like the way I am with Marvel right now, where I'm I'm collecting, you know, just a slight trickle of Marvel titles right now. There's just nothing that I'm really that interested in, you know. For that, the first time yeah. in years, and I'm literally I'm trying to dig back and think when was the last time I picked up a single issue of a Marvel thing to collect yeah. and, and support. I can't remember. I, I probably was during that whole uh, AVX mm-hmm. wrap-up thing. Um, but I picked up Chip Zdarsky and Adam Kubert and Jordi Belair's mm-hmm. uh, spectacular, Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. And that, was, that book gave me hope. And if they can commit to doing stuff like that, yeah. then I think we'll be okay. But I just don't see any, any firm commitment on anything from them right now, which leaves everything up in the air and unstable. I'm going to go back to a metaphor I started uh, about prob- break, probably breaking about a needle, half, half, needles backs. No, before that <laughs> one, this is about taking the fork in the road. So they had a choice. So there was a fork in the road. There was one of two directions that, that Marvel could go. Marvel could go down the road that DC was going down and just chase DC. DC was well down the rebirth rabbit hole, as I call it. And they could pretty much be doing, aping them beat for beat, or at least giving us in, in the commentary sphere um, the impression that they're trying to ape uh, DC beat for beat. Or they could have gone the other direction. They could have gone the other direction just telling great stories, you know, and learn something from the independent market. You know, there's nothing wrong with the Thor book right now that Jason Aaron is writing. Or both Thor books, when Thor, you, the unworthy Thor and the mighty Thor, right? When you look back at Marvel's legacy, and, and I'm not trying to, no pun intended at yeah, all, yeah. but they are known for giant runs of, of creators coming on and putting their stamp on yes. characters. You yes. got, you know, like you talked earlier, Claremont and Byrne, X-Men. Walt and, Simmons and Thor. Yep, John Byrne's uh, Fantastic Four. You've got... Uh, Gosh, Ed Brubaker's Captain America, yep. him, and, I mean, Steve Epting. and Hell, everything that Ed Brubaker wrote over at Marvel. I mean, we talked last week about the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. I mean, oh, you know. Was, yeah. I mean, epic shit that he was doing left, right, and sideways. Matt Fraction on X-Men. Right, Matt Fraction on Hawkeye, Matt Fraction Brubaker on Immortal Iron Fist. Yeah. I mean, even books that did not last 50, 60, 70 issues, you have these sort of, these... God, I'm going to sound like such a hipster asshole. But these almost artisanal runs of books, books like Hawkeye and Immortal Iron Fist and Unbeatable and, Squirrel Girl. And even with the some of the books where they would they would like restart or whatever, it was easy to follow the creator yes. over yes. into whatever, you know, the next chapter of their saga was. Mm-hmm. And and I was I'm just disappointed we don't have that anymore and and that is, to me, what defined Marvel, the fact that I could go back and look at those things and just enjoy the masterpieces right. that they are. Right. And they have strayed so far from that. I think one of the few things that we have right now uh, is Brian Bendis. He does that regularly. Yep. And his, and you're never going to be, you're never going to fire 100% on everyone. And that was the, bu- and you just reminded me, it's, it's, 
there was the bleeding cool another bleeding cool article, and that's where I saw the um, about how Brian Bendis is ignoring Marvel Legacy right now, and how he is ignoring uh, the other crossover thing, the Secret, Secret Empire. Empire. Secret Empire. Oh, I, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. And that tells you something when the face, more or less, the face of the company. You know, it's between him and and Mark Wade and Jason Aaron right now. And well, I would say Bendis because he's the longest. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Bendis, Aaron, and Wade. Oh yeah, yeah. And and the fact that he's choosing to sit out on this when he has participated in every single event and written half of them. Right. That tells me that that tells me a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's just unfortunate. And again, let's hope we're wrong. Let's just hope we're wrong. You know, it, I want comics just to be good. I don't care if they reboot their continuity or really don't reboot their continuity. I don't care if all the old white blonde Marvel Universe characters come back. I really don't care as long as I get my brown, black, uh, you know, characters and my Asian characters and I all those other characters. I fucking want Miss Marvel. G. Willow Wilson on that book has been amazing. The fact that she hasn't written anything else and they haven't tried to to put her on other things, including Miss Marvel, how much blows my mind. It blows my mind that they don't put her on an Avengers book because A Force was that good. I was thinking she co-wrote A Force. She did for co-wrote a little bit. Okay, she, she did. Um, you know, she should be writing Captain America. She should be writing... The marquee uh, books. Marquee books. Look, just because she's a Muslim woman in the United States doesn't mean she should be pigeonholed into writing about a Muslim young girl in the United States. I'm sorry. I want to see her on the big boy titles, too. Yeah. Because I think she just gets character voices. She's a good fucking writer. She's and that's the, all we fucking want out of this. She, she's a fucking Eisner-nominated, if not Eisner-winning article uh, writer... For crying out loud, give that woman a real a real shot at at one of your top selling books. Have fuck, let's do this. Have G Willow Wilson bring back the Fantastic Four. Oh my God, you just blew my mind. That would be amazing. You I know, would be. Do you so know down what the that. what the sound of that book would 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 be like in in your mind in, in the in that would that would definitely grab all kinds of headlines. It would it would blow me away. I mean, they should make me editor-in-chief at Marvel Comics. Well, I mean, that's beside the point, Jim. Yeah. We, we've all known that. <laughs> the world would just be a better place if everybody just paid fealty and homage to me. Yes. Um, look, just Marvel, make some fucking good books. That's that's all I want. I have no sacred cows anymore. The, the I just want good stories. You know, honestly. And you, if it involves a toddler becoming Captain America, if it's fucking good, I want to read it. I, exactly. You know, I mean, fuck, let's just... You know, let's start taking chances again, and let's follow through on the decisions that we make. That's all. I think that's that's what we're saying here at this point. Be consistent. There's yeah. not much consistency. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I I I wish I'm such a Steve Rogers fan. I wanted to like an evil Steve Rogers book. I did. You know, I'm not like you said. There's no sacred cows, right? And. I was all for Steve Rogers, somebody going back in time and fucking with, with Steve Rogers' uh, parents and, you know, raising Steve Rogers to be a Hydra agent. I mean, that's fucking great science fiction, let alone a science fiction superhero story. But when your execution The execution shit. wasn't there. 
you know, Nick Spencer hasn't written all bad books, but he sure has had his share of of of, of misfires. He, I was going to say he's been more missed with me than he's been hit. And I'm not going to do a deep dive. And, and Adam and I, we don't have the time tonight to do a deep dive into Secret Empire. And, and frankly, I don't have the interest. I I I love myself too much. I want to survive. <laughs> I don't want my blood pressure to go yeah, up. That's the last thing I need I, is you to just have your head explode. I, I'm just, sentence. I mean, look, I'm having a hard enough time with a book that hasn't even come out yet. So I, I just think it's better just to skip the whole thing. Look, if you are a fan of secret empire and want to tell us why we're wrong, please do. You know, Life is we too will short. Not, we will not be assholes to you. Absolutely not. Because, look, there's comics for everybody in this world. There's Western comics being put out. There's Kung Fu comics being put out. There's spy comics and superhero comics and space comics. And, fuck, I mean, there's funny animal comics coming out again. DC is doing some amazing shit with their crossovers with the Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters. Oh, okay, I we read... We need to do... I want you to hold on to that. Okay. Okay, because what I want to do maybe in our next episode is let's do a dive into that. I read one. I'm just going to, I'll tease them. I read one of those books. Yeah. This might get me shit. Okay. Eisner category. No shit. In my opinion. Well, then let's talk about that. We just discovered what we're going to talk about in our next episode. We're going to cover DC Hanna-Barbera. And why that is so awesome. Because at DC... Wait, hold on. Are we just doing the Looney Tunes or are we doing Hanna-Barbera? Let's do Hanna-Barbera because I want to talk... I, I was talking Looney Tunes. Oh, well, that's fine. But I want to talk about Green Lantern and Space Ghost. I mean... Okay. You know, I haven't read any of those, but I... Fucking A. Let's, let's just do it. Yeah. Let's talk about Batman versus Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this hint to Marvel... You have access to the Disney library. If your Disney masters won't let you touch, or if they're being so so precious or parochial about the Disney characters, then there's something going on with your corporate relationship which isn't working out. I'm sorry. Look, I know Gladstone did wonderful Uncle Scrooge comics for the longest time. IDW picked, it, picked up the ball from there. Right. Why is IDW doing that when the House of Ideas is doing so awesome until recently with the Star Wars comic? I say until recently because I'm not the biggest fan of, of Screaming Citadel, their, their okay. Star Wars take on Gothic horror. I trust they'll get back to the lightsabers and space battles soon enough. But um, I just feel like just stop being so precious about things and just enjoy just... Get that Grant Morrison kind of glee back into into writing your comics and drawing your comics and editing your comics. And having standards for new creators coming in instead of just being like, you've written a thing? Here you go. Yeah, you know, actually, you know, spend some time with these people. You know, there's a reason why Mark Shirello was the art director over at DC for as long as he was, because he was into, uh, you know, uh, 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 helping to usher in new artistic talent. He wanted to grow talent. The he talent was, a, pool. he was, I think, the big reason Darwin Cook came in. I believe you're correct. So and right now, and I, you know how much we both love Darwin. Cook. Oh yeah, absolutely. So and I yeah, I think right now they're kind of bringing in new creators who are untested, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just. 
I don't want to sound elitist, but I like it better, even though I'm not a huge fan of like Ed Brisson and Frank Barbier, mm-hmm. like I get why they're there and why they've earned their spot. Because they have busted their ass yeah. making independent comics. Making great independent comics. And if you're a, a novelist and you want to come in and, and do something small, cool, but to hand uh, an ongoing series out uh, to just some novelist who you who likes an editor over there or vice versa... It's a big risk that a lot of the times, at least sales-wise, doesn't work out. And quality-wise, is a, is, it's just stupid to me. Well, they Not s- every book is going to be America, which is a great book. Oh, America's great. But, uh, but Gabby America Rive- is great. Hey, yeah. there's our 4th of July. <laughs> yeah, right? but Gabby Rivera is a completely untested yeah. talent. And she, in my opinion, is the only one that has worked right. out of all these people they've just randomly shoved on yep. books. And Ta-Nehisi Coates. I mean, they saw initial awesome success with Black Panther. So what did they do? They had to get two spinoffs going right, spun up right immediately, you know, which I thought did kind of a disservice to the Black Panther title. I would have enjoyed seeing the storyline of Black Panther and the crew in Black Panther. I would have enjoyed seeing the world of Wakanda told in Black Panther. Well, and the other it's thing... It's okay it, just to let a book be its own book. And it goes back to the fucking up your because yeah once you hit number one that was a book that number one came out it ended at five or six yep and so you know i mean we beat this horse to death yeah so look um we started saying it and then we got off on a tangent so let me say it now look there is a flavor of ice cream for everybody just like there's a flavor of comic book for every reader you know again Cowboys, superheroes, sci-fi, fantasy. What Adam said. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's, there's, I mean, there's something for everybody. So just go to your favorite local comic book store or hell, try out other comic shops that you haven't been to before and just sample their wares. See what they've got up there. And if, and if you don't, if you live in an area of the world that is not well served by a local comic shop, check out Comixology. Um, there's some, or Marvel Unlimited to go see some of the old school stuff. You know, there's great ways to get exposure to new material all the time. Um, if you disagree with anything that Adam and I said, again, we don't think you're an asshole. We just think you're somebody with another opinion and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. I, I, we are trying to spark the dialogue and we are not going to run away from that dialogue. Absolutely not. And if you want, if you're in the, the general Northern California area, or if you'd like to Skype in a call with us, um, we are a very accessible podcast, so please hit us up on Twitter at Graphic Podcast, or you can send a longer missive to us on our Gmail account, which is content at gmail.com. Adam is the curator of our Instagram feed. I'm the curator of the, the official Facebook page. Um, our Instagram feed is graphiccontent.podcast. Uh, what else? No, we still haven't created a Snapchat yet. I've wrestled Adam's phone away from him. Uh, I tried. Uh, he tried, but I just slapped it down. It's because I kept taking pictures of Chuck Austin comics. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch! <laughs> but no, seriously, we want to hear from you. We want you to tell us what you think of the stuff that we're rambling on about. Um, honest to God, if you think that I'm the biggest full of shit dude in the world... Guess what? You're not the first person to tell me that. <laughs> so hit me, hit us up on those. 
We'd love to hear from you. Adam, is there anything? Oh, where can the kids find you on the socials? Uh, well, Adam S. Messinger is everywhere. Okay, and I'm going to give you your opportunity for your one more thing right now. Okay. So, <laughs> shit, I had one more thing, and then you said that, and I fucking forgot. Yeah. God damn it. God damn it. I did it. Finally, I win. So you can find me on Twitter at Jimmers with three M's. You can find me at Jimmers with five M's on Instagram, simply Jim Mason on Facebook. I remembered that one more thing. God damn it. (laughs) What is it? Okay, now it's time for one more thing brought to you by the Graphic Content Podcast. So it's 4th of July right now, and I can't think of a better way than going to your local comic shop and buying all the Heroes Reborn, Captain America by Jeff Loeb and Rob Liefeld. You are a fucking nut <laughs> Like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? We're trying hey, to Hey, I'm actually- trying to help co- uh, comic shops move their wasted product. <laughs> they should have used that as fireplace handling by now. What are you talking about? Oh, All my right. God, dude. No, don't do that. Instead, get The Winter Soldier Returns by uh, Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting. That's the patriotic comic you should read or get into the new America series uh, by artist Gabby Rivera. And who's the writer on that? No, again? Gabby Rivera. Oh, the she's writer. the writer. And who's the artist? Uh, on that? Joe Canonas, uh, Ming Doyle and Ramon Villalobos. Uh, those guys don't suck. Nope. So those are the patriotic books that, that we can think of from Marvel. There's always the Superman books over at DC because, hey. What's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way, right? Absolutely. All right. So for Adam Messinger, I'm Jim Mason, who's going to point to Adam where he will say... Go read a comic. And after you read that comic, listen to graphic content.